Welcome, everyone, to episode 15 of Tales from Planet Customer Experience. As always, my name is Brian Bruner. And I'm Deliana Pavlova. And we're a couple of customer experience geeks who love sharing stories about customer experience. We have another guest today, someone I actually know from the customer experience space. We have Liliana Petrova with us. She's a former JetBlue exec and someone who's so passionate about customer experience that she now owns her own customer experience company, the Petrova Experience. Uh, I recently saw a po post from Liliana on LinkedIn telling a customer experience story in the healthcare space. And I thought this will be a perfect fit for this podcast. So I'm really excited to have her as a guest to tell her the story. Welcome to the podcast, Liliana. Thank you for having me, guys. This is exciting. Yes, welcome. Tell us about the story. I was so intrigued by what you posted on LinkedIn. So I'd just love for you to share it with our listeners. Yeah, thank you very much, Juliana, and thank you for reading um, my LinkedIn content. Well, the story is unfortunately not something that happened just to me. I think this is uh, this is something that happens every day, and I think um, it's very important that we talk about these stories and that we um, call out our healthcare providers on things that are uh, subpar. I always say that part of change is really expressing your discontent. Uh, and we often are told that healthcare is too complex to solve. So people feel discouraged to share their stories. And the reason I did post actually was to inspire others, hopefully to also post their own stories. I have a beautiful daughter. She turned four years old on the 7th of November and she had, um, a very um, stubborn high fever for several days. We already had spent uh, 10 days going through something called croup, which led us to the ER once. So a week after the croup um, drama, we found ourselves with persistent high fever. The challenge we had was that every time we would go to the to see any physician, we were told, oh, just wait. Um, the first time we were told it's too early, you need to wait 36 hours. Then we had a virtual visit 36 hours later, just to be told that we need to wait 72 hours. Um, and then we got to a place where it was Saturday and um, it was around maybe four o'clock. And at that point I had not slept for a couple of days, if not weeks. Um, so I was really dreading the night. Um, I was very afraid that if she doesn't, uh, the fever doesn't go down, that means another sleepless night. So I was like, let me go again somewhere and see someone in person because now we had crossed the 72 hour threshold and the fever was still there. So instead of going to ER, we decided to find an urgent care in the area. I live in Brooklyn. Um, and uh, uh, that was an urgent care I had found a week before, but I didn't go because we ended up in the ER for the croup situation. The story is, is pretty standard and frustrating. And I think it's, it's good to talk about this because when we go to healthcare experiences nowadays, we're promised this telehealth um, and telemedicine integrations that are supposedly making our lives easier. So immediately when I went on the website, I saw that I can schedule my own appointment, which was such a night light. Um, I had heard of Dr. I think it was ZocDoc before. So I was like, oh yeah, this is like the ZocDoc situation. 
uh, let me schedule our appointment at six o'clock. That would give me two hours to get there on time. And then they had an intake form that said reason for visit. So then I was like, oh, that's great. So let me write my memoir so that when we go there, it's much more efficient when we are in the office. We got there um, around 5.45, 5.50 for a six o'clock appointment. Um, and when we walked in, the first thing we noticed was the stairs, the stairs and the lack of um, any, uh, I don't know how to call that, but the, the ramp for strollers. So again, it's it's a pediatrics uh, situation where you would think that they would they would take care of us. After a few minutes of confusion, I saw something that looked like an elevator. So I was like, oh, here's an elevator. Then we started pressing the button. Then it turned out it's not an elevator. It is something between an elevator and not elevator. So I had to go up the stairs and press. Um, a button and kind of almost like it's a men men held or men maneuvers um, a platform essentially that you you manually have to hold the the lever to to move the the floor essentially down and up. Now again, the sign for that is inside once you walk inside, but when you are coming from the street, there is no explanation. What is this? How to use it? The fact that you actually have to go upstairs to bring it down. Um, and that was the first thing that I was like, okay, that, that doesn't look like they thought of us. Um, so we struggled through this. We got on the, on the main floor and just to be faced with the most unwelcoming, um, desk. Um, it wasn't just that she was barricaded by a, by a high, uh, desk, which is something that all healthcare struggles with. I mean, we've talked about the, the non-welcoming lobby of, of healthcare today, uh, I have spoken with several people that have told me that um, they need this for privacy. So that's usually the explanation. It's, it's fascinating how much healthcare explains with uh, HIPAA and privacy. Um, and then, um, but this one was a little a little um, elevated in, in the unwelcomeness where they had actual chairs, a whole row of chairs that was put in front of the desk. So you actually cannot even reach the desk at this point. Um, and then I I asked the, the woman there who did not make eye contact. Uh, Hello, we're here. You know, we're scheduled for six o'clock. Um, and I said, no, you're not. This is not scheduling. This is just for me to know who registered when. So immediately I'm told that the, the word scheduling is not real. So then I said, well, on the app, it says scheduling. She's like, no, that's not scheduling without any explanation of why are we doing this? So then we sit down and I get a text message from that app. And the app says, uh, the message says, here is, um, here is your spot. And then there are all these um, abbreviations, LP, Q, QR is, is before you. So it was some sort of an effort to put the equivalent of the airline's world of a standby list with some uh, acronyms of the people before us to, again, keep confidentiality. Well, we were supposed to be, I think, five, number five. But then again, now you don't know how many is five. Like, how long are you waiting for five people? How many physicians are inside? Uh, what is your wait time? Um, so, again, the difference between airlines and, and here, the situation is that an airline, um, you, you know, we don't show you how long you wait. The airline standby list is about a binary. Are you making the flight or no? 
which is a different type of information. And I don't need to know the time, but here it's, it's a, it's a wait time communication, which is a very different need of, of the patient. So, um, I went back to her and I said, hello, this thing says word number five. What does that mean? And then she says, well, um, or not, you're going to wait around an hour. So now we are at six o'clock there, which actually means seven o'clock. She's coughing. She doesn't want to stay inside. Um, it's a whole thing. So then I tell her, hey, I'm going to go for a walk and I'll be back in 40 minutes. So then she says, okay, we go for a walk. We come back just to find out that she reset us. So in other words, we didn't keep our spot. Although she did say, I'll text you, she said, I made sure she has my cell phone. I said, I'll, I'll text you if, if we if we are earlier than, than an hour. So I go in and I get another text message. So I imagine something with geofencing probably when I enter with my phone. And, and now I'm back to number five. Now with new acronyms ahead of me. So we did not really save anything. So then we walk in and... The first thing that I noticed was that we did not wait an hour and that if I compared walking in to be seen and the number, so I was still number five, but then they called my name. So there was no synchronization between this app communication and the actual operation of the facility. And then we walk in, we sit there and a nurse comes in with uh, one of these like stickies, you know, this type of post-its and a pen. And then she says, so why are you here today? And this is pretty much when I lost my composure because at this point I had waited for quite some time and seen the dysfunctions. And I asked her, I'm sorry, I said, I already explained this to you in the app. And then she said, uh, we, we have to ask you. And I said, well, why do you ask me before? Did you, did you read what I wrote uh, in, the, in the app? Because I already communicated in the app while we're here. And then she said, yes, I did. And I said, okay. And they said, but we have to ask just in case you've missed something. And then I said, okay, well then let's fill in the gaps. What is it that you don't know about? What do you, what else do you want to know from my story online? Which of course she hadn't read. Um, so then of course she gets defensive. Um, and uh, we, we did not go well. Um, and then we had the doctor come in, the physician comes in and then says, Oh, I hear there was a little bit of a challenge with the with the scheduling app. Um, we don't read any of this. It's just a scheduling app. Uh, so we went through through the visit, and um, you know, at least she was very nice. She was extremely nice. Um, I explained to her that I would like to to make complaint and to tell somebody that this is not working, and that parents of sick kids probably should not type things nobody reads at least don't ask us if nobody's reading what we're writing. Um, and, um, and then I left. So then I posted on LinkedIn, what you read Deliana. And, um, I did get contacted by the director of patient experience of this facility. Um, he was extremely nice and we actually had a call, um, exactly a week ago on Monday. It was extremely nice call we talked about uh, my experience and then he shared also some of the challenges on his side. Um, and he said he's going to bring the story to the medical, the chief medical advisor of the facility. Uh, and he um, actually reimbursed me for my visit, 
which um, I have never heard happen before. So I wow. have to say to all your listeners, um, there are some good people out there and it does it is worth sharing our stories because lately I think more people are listening. Wow, that's that's an incredible story. Uh, I'm I'm glad that it had a, a happy ending. I was, I I think like most people, I was assuming that um, it was not going to end happily, right? But the fact that they contact you, well, first of all, that someone read your um, your your LinkedIn post and that then they came back and talked to you. That's that's pretty amazing. And then to reimburse you, like you said, I've never heard of that in the healthcare world. That's, that's I have to say this is a first for me too. I've never heard anyone reimbursed in healthcare yeah. before. Yeah. That's amazing. And I didn't know the end of the story. I had only read what she posted on LinkedIn, which was kind of the negative part of the experience. So I didn't even know we we're going to be talking about kind of service recovery almost, right? And because so many things had gone wrong upfront in your experience when you were in the facility. And I have to say, I did tag both the the, the actual scheduling app uh, provider and the healthcare provider. And it was interesting because the, the scheduling app never contacted me. Uh, it was the healthcare provider who reached out. Um, so that was um, fast, fascinating. So did they reach out because of your, I assume, well, it wasn't because of your LinkedIn story. It was because of your... No, it was because of the LinkedIn story. So if you go to my LinkedIn post, you'll see that he actually responded in the LinkedIn uh, post. Um, he responded there. Wow. And then That's he reached out on LinkedIn. Yeah, he reached on LinkedIn to me privately with a private message asking for some time. Um, and then he scheduled wow. it. Um, I didn't even have to send the invite. Um, he was extremely apologetic. Uh, and we um, we may even have coffee. I mean, it just it just turned into a very <laughs> collaborative uh, um, conversation, an authentic conversation about in general how do you infuse patient experience in healthcare. It's a good story, and again, um, it is infuriating how hard these things are. Um, and I think at the end of the day, from healthcare perspective. Um, I think things are moving somewhat in the right direction, but the problem with and Dilian and I are, are very much, you know, passionate about customer experience in general. There is an overall challenge about customer experience that whenever you have a customer experience ex, you know, a director, or chief customer experience officer, or whatever role um, is created in any organization, everyone else checks out. And I think that's the problem is that we are still in a nascent um, a nascent stage of, of the field where people are still not understanding that customer experience is something everyone should be um, accountable and for and responsible for. Um, and then the person that they hire is just the shepherd or somebody who, who would assist, not somebody who can be omnipotent and, and be everywhere and fix everything. It's a mindset. Um, and then I think that's unfortunately why we have suboptimal experiences in healthcare as well. And that's why we still hear so many of them, right? That's what we're doing on this podcast is more often than not, we hear those experiences because that's where things fall apart. Yeah. Well, I think it's such an interesting point that you make, Lilian, of, of when you have a chief experience officer or whatever it is, 
that, you know, my reaction would be, that's great. That's awesome. Someone's paying attention to it, right? It's important to that co company that they put a position behind it. But the downside, like you said, so interesting when, um, you know, people then say, oh, okay, that's that person's job. I don't have to worry about that because they're worrying about that. And that's, that's the scary part of it. And, you know, I, I wanted to go just really quick. Um, it's, it's so interesting how you described the entire experience from the moment you arrived was just negative, right? And and I think that's where so often, particularly in healthcare, and, and, and both Delia and I work in, in healthcare, but that, that experience from from the first moment of when you walk in is, you know, it's that customer journey of figuring out what does it feel like when you walk in here? What does it feel like when you sit down? What does it feel like when you interact with this person behind the barricade and, and everything, you know, it's just to think through every moment of that customer journey, I think is important in any business, uh, but particularly in healthcare where people are already, you know, you don't go to the doctor, uh, you don't go to an urgent care because you're happy and, and, and healthy, there's something wrong. And so you're already on edge. And then to have more things sort of aggravate that is just, it's something that has to be fixed. Sure. Yeah, and from the beginning, right from the infrastructure, that's kind of what really yeah. stuck with me is very often we think about the product, the service we deliver. We don't think about the building and how people are going to get to the main floor with a stroller, which is, you know, a major challenge. Like you said, how am I going to take my my stroller and my family up these stairs? It's a pretty big thing that we yeah. so often overlook. And you know, the other thing that's interesting, I thought about it, is like if you're alone versus with two parents, right? Great point. Yeah. So I, you see, I think that the the the, the ultimate challenge also is we also forget this: how many um, of the occurrences of healthcare include the caregiver that. If the patient is, is the unsung, whatever, the invisible persona, the caregiver is completely not thought of, right? And in a, in a children pediatric situation, you have the caregiver state of mind that's much more stressed uh, and much more strained than if they themselves were sick, I think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And such an important part of that experience too. Well, very good. Well, Liliana, anything else you want to add to your story here? We we just need to keep asking for more. It is it is it is in our patient I don't know, responsibility to keep asking for more. Don't uh, don't be quiet, don't be discouraged. Um the more we ask, the more we get. This is fundamental. And on the healthcare side perspective and everyone who receives complaints, just kind of I don't know, believe in, in us as well as patients. I feel one of the of the reasons why this relationship, and I do call it a relationship because we will talk with this man more and this guy, um, why it happened was also because he trusted that I will be constructive when we meet. So I think it, it does take in its core some sort of a humanity on both sides um, for us to be brave, to, to know that we are paying for healthcare, and we are we are entitled to ask for things, but also for the healthcare side to understand that we're not there to make their lives hell. We're just feeling so afraid and and so um, scared and so it it really is a scary and and, a, and fear driven 
reaction when we do these things. Um, we didn't even cover today the, the actual cost of the visit, right? That we, I did have commercial healthcare coverage, so that was not a thing. But I've lived in, in this country without healthcare insurance, and I know that it's another layer of fear and terror almost um, that may drive some people to react in a suboptimal way when they're in, in, the, in the flow, in the patient experience flow. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. Well, thank you, Liliana. We really appreciate you being on today. Um, and and uh, I guess if they want to know more about your uh, company, can they find your uh, website? Is that yes? Where, where uh, we're at www .com. I'm also very active on LinkedIn, so I'm Liliana Petrova. At, and then we also have on LinkedIn a page for the Petrova Experience. You can follow us there. We're pretty active on that page as well. Uh, and I'm, I'm always open to talk, talking to anyone and offer any type of uh, advice or make friends. So uh, don't be shy. Reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much. Diliana, anything else you want to add before we close? No, always great talking to you. Great connecting. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. It was a pleasure. Of course. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, for all of our listeners, again, we encourage you to uh, subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a review. That helps us to, to know how we're doing. We are, as I mentioned, we are seeing our numbers growing, which is exciting. Uh, we love uh, sharing these stories, so we hope that uh, we'll continue to be able to continue to do that. So for now, we wish everyone a great week and greetings from Planet Customer Experience.